You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica. And I'm Carissa. And today we are talking about the five common causes of constipation. And we're also going to give you a little bit of an overview of our real food and detox reset plan, which has hit the ground running in the last week. And you guys are like losing your mind a little bit over it, which is a bit exciting. It is a bit exciting. (laughs) <laughs> it's um we we kind of haven't really given you much in the social background yet or done any of our major lives or anything like that but everyone's getting excited so we thought let's have a bit of a chat about it here um but essentially we'll just talk a little and then we're going to dive into the full show um so 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 <laughs> with the real food and detox reset plan. I heard you say the other day when you were doing a chat about it on your socials, why did we call it that? That's a really hard mouthful. It actually is. Have you noticed? Like, I, like, my, my brain to mouth connection defaults to want to say something else. So like trying to get it out, I feel like I've had to like say it and re-say it or when I type it, like re-edit it because it doesn't even, anyway, that's what it's called now, guys. So you just all got to live with it. We're just going to call it the reset. The reset. Yeah. So basically, this is a hybrid of our real food reset, which has been available for like at least the past year. But the idea was, it was actually Chris's and Lex's brainchild, that we wanted to put together something for the new year that was about really encouraging you to eat beautiful, healthy meals, uh, teach you what we mean by macro balance make it 99%, if not 100% about food and how amazing food can be. And also show you how food just naturally supports your body's detoxification processes. And I think we knew when we put this together, like it's a bit of a loaded space, even using the word detox. Yeah. But I don't know. I think, you know, not putting words in your mouth, it's one of those things too. It's like, well, you know, people understand that word. They kind of understand it as far as like what they may be looking for with support. Um, it's like when you're trying to talk about people who genuinely want to shift a little bit of weight and you feel bad using the term weight loss. It's like, well, what the hell do we use? Like yeah. <laughs> Lex and I chatted about that with that. It was just like, we call it like the metabolic assistance plan. It's like, well, no one's going to know what the hell that means. <laughs> metabolic <laughs> assistance plan. I'm so glad I haven't heard you guys say that. <laughs> We joked about it. We're like, yeah, nah. Oh, dear. (laughs) So do you want to just give the listeners a very brief uh, rundown on what we're doing as far as supporting naturally the body in that sort of detoxification with not only, I guess, there's that supplemental optional component, but also what we're doing as far as the month of February to go alongside the plan? Yeah. So... There's obviously the the two-week plan, but then there's the option or the, what's the right word? 
Um, option, optional. Option, optional, optional um, you know, advantage if people want to use the supplements because we have popped together like a supplement protocol or supplement kind of pack that is just again, supportive of the body's natural ability to detox. And I think this is why we wanted to put the word detox in there because the whole point of doing this over the space of a month is that you use some supportive supplements if you want to. A lot of my clients that are doing this are already on some great supplements, so they're just going to use supplements that they've got. But if you are new to the clinic space and you're like, oh, I just want to dip my toes in the water and just use something that's a bit you know, easy. And anyway, that's what the supplements are there for. So we've got some nice little gut ones to support, like, you know, um, cleaning up your gut a little bit and also, um, you know, some, a nice greens powder to support like your liver. But the whole kind of concept is, is that we jumped on, we did it in February, A, because who's ready to do anything in January? No one. <laughs> but also too, like Feb fast is February. So that's, that's kind of was always a good thing too. Like I know most years, some of us do Feb fast or an element of it. And I know some people give up sugar and some people give up booze and some people give up coffee. And so we're kind of like, we thought, well, why not just make it the month of February and then people have the option to give up any or all three of those things if they want to, as well as then embark on a beautiful whole food balanced eating plan. Because I think the whole thing is obviously anyone who's followed us at the clinic for ages, we don't jump on the New Year's fad bandwagon of express weight loss by express metabolic balance management pages, <laughs> whatever the fuck you just said <laughs> but we don't jump on the quick fix weight loss programs and we don't jump on the quick fix detox and you know herbal not herbal teas, skinny skinny teas and all of that kind of stuff like we are really about like just trying to give you guys tools that you can use to you know create a lifestyle with food and something that doesn't feel like a in air quotes, diet, something that is just a way of a way of eating and living to look after and nourish your body. And when you do that and you move your body every day and you have less of the things that we know overburden your liver like booze and um, too much coffee and, and all of that, then you naturally support detox. So that's why I wanted to put the word detox in there because this whole program fundamentally is about a lifestyle that is supportive of your body being able to do these things naturally. So absolutely. And yeah. we, we hope that you'll use it as a as always for us an educational tool. So we'd love you to get to the end of the actual rotational food plan and go, you know what, I feel awesome. That's easy. I've learned a lot. I'm just going to kind of keep this rolling and start yeah. to bring in concepts to suit me. So um, we're really hoping that it'll be something that you'll use as a springboard. And then as Chris has said, some of our clients are using it as well because yep. they just want to utilize something at this time of year. And then what we're just saying is just speak to us like your practitioner about where supplements fit with this. Um, it's a very, to be honest, it's a really small percentage of you that are using the supplements alongside, which is yeah. so fine. Like, please know that we just have yep. those supplements as an additional option. So if you have any questions about it, there's a lot more to say. Um, we're going to be talking more on our socials. So you can just head to our socials over the next weeks of Feb. Uh, we'll be doing this with you. And each of us will be working with something personal to us that we are either giving up or having a break from or integrating. And we'll little be talking Birdie said Jess a lot is giving about up matcha. That. <laughs> a little birdie got shot. <laughs> I keep saying it to my clients too. Like, it's just really <laughs> hilarious because everyone knows you're not giving it up. They're like, yeah, her Jess isn't giving up match. I'm like, oh, no, she is. <laughs> she just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> so funny. Uh, 
funny. <laughs> but we'll be talking a lot. So just head there and uh, bring any questions that you have. Um, and that'll that'll literally kick off in the next couple of days. So expect to, to Lexa see Lexa started. There. She has, hasn't she? Yeah. She started because she's got something on at the end of Feb. So if she's going to, she said um, for her to do like a full, full four weeks, not drinking. Um, yep. I think it was, I think it was based around that, that she had some friends coming up in the last week of Feb. So she knows she'll have a couple of drinks with them. So she said, well, I'll start a bit earlier so I can at yep. least do four weeks. Yep. Good on you, Lex. I would have just said I can only do three. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, I three's my limit. No. <laughs> so funny so yeah we'll be sharing what we're doing how we're going we'll be answering uh your questions there'll be lots of uh q a's along the way and we'll be talking more in depth about how the plan works as far as detoxification and supporting that about the movement that we suggest that comes with it just head to the blog post i'll put the link in the show notes it's the rundown of the plan as far as what's included and then also the links will be there to go to the shop where you can um, purchase the plan if you're wanting to jump in cool on with the show this on would be where if we had like a sponsor we'd have to do yeah. yeah we'd have that like talk about music. something that you should have yeah like, i don't know some like cool protein powder yeah exactly <laughs> the new zest green powder or something like that yeah that's it this is sponsored by new zest <laughs> So five common causes of constipation. We've talked about constipation before in a myriad of ways, whether it's been integrated into other topics, but I wanted to revisit this because it's so common, so, 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 so common. And we thought it'd be nice to put it into these sort of five concise points. So if you're someone that struggles with it, it's something you can look at and go, that I've got covered, that I don't, ooh, hadn't thought about that, all mm. of that, maybe there's something going on there. And we know that can be super, super useful. So we're going to start with number one, believe it or not. <laughs> which <laughs> Drum roll, please. Yeah, we're going to start at the top of the funnel and work our way down. So what I mean by the top of the funnel is the most sort of obvious, make sure these are right before you start digging deeper. And yep. really the first one is fibre and hydration or fluid um or what did you say the the ffs the ffs the ffs yes fluid fiber fitness <laughs> so um look these are probably two that everyone's like yeah yeah but you would be surprised how often we see clients who are not consuming enough fiber or variety of fiber so we mean quality starches complex carbs your root veggies your variety of grains and also a lot of your alternate fresh vegetables and salads, um, a variety of cooked versus raw, um, and just getting enough of that in their day on a consistent level. Uh, it's, it's, look, it's, it's an interesting one, actually. I don't know what you think, but with a lot of clients that come to us, they tend to have this basic area sorted, but there's certainly <coughs> a large section of the population or people probably even listening that do struggle with this, do you oh, think? I think 100%. I think fibre is... If I just feel like if people could focus more on their fiber and their diversity of plant intake, then mm -hmm. there would be so many fundamental changes in people's gut microbiomes and function. Like, like take all of the other stuff in the gut health world, not out of the equation, but let's just park it for now and focus purely on fiber and fiber intake mm -hmm. and diverse. Yeah. And diversity I think is key as well. Not getting stuck in your same veg like fruit, vegetable sort of pattern. Like, yep. I think, yeah, I think if 
that could yeah just change so many people but I think it's such a given for us because we're in the food space we love our food we love variety we love cooking a lot of our clients are the same like I'd have to say I do think it's pretty rare we get a client in the clinic these days who doesn't understand the basics of food a lot of the time when it comes to fiber and and that so sometimes definitely increasing fiber but I have to say like it it definitely is more of a nutrition 101 thing that we really take for granted and not take Mm. for granted but it's just such so ingrained into us and ingrained into a lot of our clients because they're in the health they're in the health space and they're really trying to look after their gut microbiomes and and all of that but I feel like sometimes we're a bit of the minority and we become a little bit like blindsided and we think everyone just eats like that and it's so not the case (laughs) yeah so true and I think the other thing is when you look at it and uh, people listening might be like well how much is enough fiber like you can you can look at RDIs and so forth, but that doesn't mean much to the average person if you're trying to tell them. No, have, definitely doesn't. Like 25, 30 grams of fiber in a day or increasing it to 40. Then like, what does that mean? Like really as an example, what we're talking about is your three, at least your three meals of the day, having a portion of some complex carbohydrates. So we'll often talk to you about how that might be anywhere between half a cup to a cup depending on your needs of like a starchy carb a grain a root veggie for instance or some quality whole grain breads and then we want at least half of that meal to be other veggies Um, so you know in a nutshell if your three meals a day look like that or if two of them look like that and the other one which is commonly a sweet one for breakfast where we've got the same amount of carbohydrate but we've got some fruits in there you know, you're doing you're doing well, particularly if you're like Chris has said, you're rotating and using different types of grains and veggies and mixing it up. Like, it's just, it really is that simple. Um, and if you're doing that, you will be hitting those needs. You can up it, like you can mm. use things like psyllium and slippery elms and fibers that are out there. But we generally find if you've got a healthy gut and you're eating in that way, you should be getting your fiber. You should be hitting your fiber, yeah, definitely. So. What about hydration? Hydration. I think a lot of people, again, I think by now, hopefully most people understand the importance of being hydrated and drinking water. I think sometimes what isn't probably understood is sometimes drinking water, I'm not going to say drinking water is not enough because that's not the point that I'm trying to make, but sometimes it comes down to electrolyte balance and stuff as well. And so I, and especially too, with a lot of my clients, like I say to people, like you want to be drinking at least one to one and a half liters of water a day as a minimum. Like I know we well and truly cap that like far out. I reckon I'm closer to two to three. Mm -hmm. If you're a coffee drinker, you want more water, but the effects beyond like obviously just hydration systemically is hydration of your bowel. Because obviously if you're dehydrated and your your stool can become quite dehydrated as well and then that obviously is such a massive cause of constipation so and that's so evident in people that have like those i'm trying to hold this little microphone up people that have those you know like those really hard to pass obviously the constipated stool but those cracks in the stool you know and they're quite evident and stuff like that too so sometimes if you if you really focus on fiber and fluid intake like that can be a game changer for passing a, 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 a like a healthier, easier to pass stool sort of a thing. What I get some of my clients to do is, especially the people that are quite 
physically active and big sweaters like I'm definitely one of those when I'm exercising and doing all of that like I know I can drink water till the cows come home but sometimes I just don't feel like I'm hit um, my thirst is quenched and I have had that chat mm. with a lot of my clients as well um, I'm a big one for getting electrolytes in and I feel like that helps me immensely from an energy perspective as well but also like just with my gut because if my gut swings either way it's under times of stress or not doing the right things like I'm definitely more prone to constipation so I know for me fluid and hydration <laughs> yeah. in the terms of like your, your electrolytes so your sodium your salts your magnesium potassiums all of that like I'm pretty big on adding electrolytes just doesn't mean everyone has to do that but I know for me personally that's a real game changer yeah, well, I think climate's a big one there too. Like when you're in Queensland and it's humid and you're sweating so much and you exercise, like it's mm. a you're it's sweating a all component. the time. <laughs> like, and if you're yeah. doing that that classic like drinking water and you feel like it's not enough and you're just constantly thirsty, that's that's one of the first signs that you're really needing those extra electrolytes. It's almost like um, you, like I think they've referred to it. I've heard people talk about like you're dehydrated at the cellular level because yeah. obviously so much for water to get into places it needs to go, and this is probably a really general way of explaining it but a lot of that is sodium dependent and what's the biggest mm -hmm. thing we sweat out when we sweat we sweat out our sodium mm. reserves That's it. so you want to be getting salt in salt in or sodium in in the you know in, yep. your, in and some people will just add salt to their water like add pinches of yep. himalayan salt and stuff and that's enough for them i personally just love electrolytes so <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like boom done especially if you go for big bike rides out in this queensland heat and stuff yeah and, yeah 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 it is a big one though like i see it with clients either new or existing who notice when they don't keep on top of their water and it's one of those things we think is so small we've talked about another podcast it's just like oh yeah water it is a huge factor in regulation of the bowels getting toxins moving liver health bile even all the way through to the thing about bile flow like don't underestimate the importance of keeping your hydration up and if you tick those two off first and foremost if you're already like yeah i probably am really crap with my water intake i'd be lucky to have a glass or two a day that's where you need to start 100 percent, 100 percent. so let's move next on to the other tier of our found um of our um what are called funnel <laughs> funnel is tier uh, of our funnel <laughs> tier of our funnel is a foundation so we use that word a lot what we mean if you're a long-term listener you'll know make sure you've got good foundations as far as quality whole foods you might be drinking plenty of water and maybe not hitting your fiber intake because i was trying to think of an example like if you're eating crap food in the day um lots of processed food you're probably not going to be getting your fiber intake hence one of the reasons um but you also might be quite nutritionally depleted if you're mm. just not eating quality food you're eating a lot of the same food every single day without variety um to a point like i say that for maybe someone has peanut butter toast every day and then a sandwich is like cheese and tomato like it's like <laughs> you know we need to look at that diversity we have done lots of podcast topics that have included this but go back and listen to our macronutrient balance podcast you need to have your macros in place quality whole food a good foundation with fiber and water as those first th uh, primary three areas yeah i don't know if you have anything to add to that one i just wanted to no. like make sure we laid that one down yeah no the foundational stuff is the most important place to start don't start stressing about other stuff until you've at least examined that and got it pretty right yeah 
and we know it's not as like sexy, <laughs> but yeah, they're crucial. But if we move on to number three, this is where we start to look at things like food intolerances next. So if we've gone tick, fiber fine, water fine, yep, you're eating pretty well. What about food? Maybe you're consuming something that you're having a reaction to and that reaction is causing more of a constipation, sort of seizing everything up effect. So yeah. Do you want to speak a little bit about that one and oh. one of the most common culprits we see? Sure. Um, and I think just before the thing that's probably good to highlight before this too is that there seems to be this, um, I'm going to say misconception, but it's not a misconception. It's probably just a misunderstanding in the space that if you have something that you're intolerant to or something that upsets your gut, you're just going to end up with loose bowels. And then that's not the case. Like people definitely go both ways. And it's the same with, you know, like I, even sometimes I think the mainstream, um, like the mainstream understanding of SIBO versus non, you know, like plus what SIBO, what SIBO actually is. Um, so like, obviously, like if I know sometimes when I've had clients that have had SIBO, for example, like unless they've got chronically loose bowels and they're losing weight, a GP mm. won't recognize it as SIBO. But obviously we know in the SIBO realm that we have, you know, um, constipated or methane dominant SIBO and hydrogen dominant SIBO. And one is you know, obviously more constipated. And it's the same with food intolerances. Like you you don't just present like someone with lactose intolerance and have loose bowels if you're intolerant to something. So some of the biggest things that I see really kind of block people up and can be people can be quite constipated from it is gluten, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like gluten's just the classic bum glue for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Took that one for a mix work actually. Oh. Um, God. One of the guys that he works with, his wife calls I'm gluten bum. Down. His That's wife so calls gluten bum glue. Yeah, <laughs> bum glue. But cause apparently, she's trying to get him on a gluten-free diet. Because now Mick <laughs> obviously has so much to say and you know regurgitate stuff. I said he's an expert in the office. Apparently, no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he's like, did you know gluten's called bum glue? And I'm like, That's really good. I like it. But it is. Um, so for people who do have quite a strong intolerance to gluten, and this can be celiacs or non-celiacs gluten sensitivity, it doesn't always present as loose bowels. So it can be, and quite often is the case for a lot of people, chronic constipation, like to the point where they're not moving their bowels for three days, four days, sometimes even longer at a time, depending on how fiber devoid their diet is on top of having a gluten sensitivity. So that's a massive one. Um, I, I honestly see it with dairy, not as often, like... Yeah. Um, excuse me, like lactose definitely is definitely more classically loose of ours. But if someone has a really classic dairy intolerance and they're eating a lot of cheese and, you know, like a lot of like of those more, I'm going to say harder dairy products as opposed to things like milk, definitely constipation again. Like I, and I know with a lot of my clients, like they can be so sensitive to dairy sometimes and their gut can be functioning well. They have a cheese platter and it doesn't give them loose bowels. It blocks them up for two or three days. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think, um, I think they're like my top two. And again, anyone listening, work with a practitioner because obviously if you're going to, again, we always say this, Jess and I, but if you're going to remove either of these food groups, you need to probably do it under the guidance of someone. So nutritionally, you can replace gluten with other beautiful gluten-free whole grains and dairy with other calcium rich sources. But yeah, they're probably my top two that I see that cause constipation. Mm. I love that you highlighted there too about the differentiation with intolerances because a lot of people you're right do think about looseness but they don't think so much about constipation yeah and it 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 is just as common for things to get bound up and um sort of it's like a sort of 
seized up, shocked, bum glue <laughs> response <laughs> as opposed to like a wanting to flush everything out of the system. Yeah. So, um, and also when there's multiple intolerances going on, like you can have one food that might cause a bit of looseness as a response and the other one's more of a constipation effect. We see that with clients. So mm. depending on what they're eating or if they're eating everything in their diet, they can have like these alternation from like, can't go, can't go, massive loose explosion. Like yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, so it would definitely be one of the areas that we would start to look at first after we've ticked off our first three points. Yep. No, agreed. Then we move into our friend bacteria and the microbiome. So we, you've already sort of mentioned a little bit there. We may find and often do that this area is wound up also with number point number three as far as food intolerances or reactivity so there's a chance the two could be going on together particularly if the food intolerance issue has been going on for years and years and years it can start to really aggravate the microbiome in its own but sometimes it's nothing to do with the food as far as far as an intolerance it's actually about this area so we see a lot of imbalances of bacteria within the microbiome lower bowel and SIBO Mm -hmm. again for reference we've got a little bit of a reference podcast here we've (coughs) done podcasts on both which I'll refer to but one of the major players we see is an overgrowth of methane gas producing bacteria we call them methanogens but we we have these bacteria that cause this gas that has a very constipating effect on the bowels and that can be either in the lower bowel or it can be SIBO driven it's not the only bacteria that does it there are others but it's probably the king yeah (laughs) as far as constipation goes and as a as practitioners that work in this space i know that everyone at jcn as soon as they see chronic constipation their minds are ticking hmm hello are we dealing with a bit of methane here yeah exactly the other thing that's from i we didn't chat about it before we chatted about what we're going to talk about on the podcast but yeast yeast is a really a real classic one for Uh chronic constipation like if you have yeast overgrowth and um or candida overgrowth in your large bowel um that can quite classically present with constipation too so if you're someone who and just even on the the food not the food intolerance side of things but um, going back to that, but then tying this in with yeast, sugar is a bloody blocker, like for a lot of people, like, and probably because it's feeding what you've just talked feeding about, feeding yeast, yeah. Yep. So, so sugar, like, and when I say that, I obviously don't mean like your beautiful fruits and things like that. I'm talking about a lot of refined sugar and processed sugars and things like that. But that can be a real constipator for people. But then, yeah, more often than not, you do a microbiome test on a lot, a lot of those people that have been consuming those foods and what do you have <laughs> some candida strains or some different types of yeast strains so they can definitely tie in as well there and sometimes are present with those methanogenic bacteria as well so yeah well there's there's actually a really strong relationship between the two like you they, they essentially feed each other it's very mm. very common to see methanogen overgrowth and yeast together they'll, they'll come together so you know that uh, that alone is something as practitioners that we're thinking about so you you can get these sort of layers as always as far as like trying to get that methane bacteria under control but then we've got yeast issues as well so it becomes um yeah it becomes our challenge (laughs) to deal with in regard to your gut but it is often i think also maybe glazed over or not well understood that the actual 
microbiome and the bacteria and the yeast um, do have a very profound effect on what the bowels are doing. So we will, after again, we've worked through and we get to this area, this is where we start to explore further. So we might, as practitioners, we might do a little bit of work based on someone's case history on some suspicions here, but this is also an area where we start to use the tools in our toolbox as far as functional testing, stool testing, SIBO testing, organic acids, organic acid testing, um, all of the things that start to give us an indication of exactly what we're dealing with. Is there yeast? Is there methanogen overgrowth? X, Y, Z. So it's a, a big area um, and definitely one we wanted to mention. And then number five, as we, we come to the end, already. I know, right, is motility, um, bowel motility, and we wanted to kind of roll stress into this. Um, I guess motility, <coughs> firstly, we're probably using that a bit loosely because motility is often referred to in regard to the small intestinal tract and SIBO. We probably should use it, like, it, that can be a problem with constipation, but it's not a direct cause that you could have motility issues and, like, crazy diarrhea. Like, it's motility in the small bowel is different. We're talking more about, you probably should say, like, peristalsis, um, all that, like, movement of the large bowel to push that stool along as far as, in quotation marks, motility goes and how that can be affected because if that isn't moving and you're not getting those nice muscular movements to push the stool along, then we get that stagnation again. Um, and there's quite a few things that affect that peristalsis movement. Um, do you want to jump on in? Well, um, <laughs> lack, of, lack of muscle training. <laughs> so peristalsis, I always explain to people, I think I've chatted about this on other podcasts, but I'm sure we've got a few new listeners since then. So peristalsis and the actual motility of the muscle, like one part of it, I explain to a lot of my clients, and especially when there is chronic constipation and there has been for a period of time is that the bowel almost, the bowel peristalsis and the muscle involvement and the muscle contractions that kind of happen there, they do become a bit lazy um, and they, it's almost like they, due to lack of fiber or whatever else has been causing this, they, they, it's not, I shouldn't say they forget how to work cause that's definitely not accurate. Um, but they lose their tone. It's kind of like, I just explained yeah. it like a gym muscle. Like if you yeah, haven't been, like if, yeah, yeah, like if you, ha if you haven't been to the gym for 12 months, then the chances are you've lost a lot of muscle tone in your arms and in your legs and stuff like that. And then when you start going back to the gym and you start regularly working those muscles and everything like that, they start to tone they start to you know they start to build they start to you know work again they it's just it's just kind of like that whole sort of retraining oh. process and i explain peristalsis like that to my clients that are chronically constipated is that we're not just dealing with potentially a lack of fiber and you know potentially like a lack of fluid or a methanogenic overgrowth or something like that like yes we're dealing with all of those things but if this is something chronic that has been going on for a long time we also have to retrain your muscle how to move mm -hmm. and sometimes it is like like going back in and I, we definitely, this is where we can use a lot of cool fibers to do things like that and just use fiber as a therapeutic tool um, to do that. But, you know, peristalsis and motility, even just at a very basic level, you have to think about it like a muscle yeah. and then kind of stepping out of that. Um, there, again, there's a lot to do with um, 
like your minerals that are mm. specifically involved in, you know, muscle contraction. So magnesium is a massive one, obviously, um, that we talk about and we definitely, you know, use therapeutically for stress. And I know we're going to talk about stress as well, but you've kind of got to think about a lot of your bowel wall being so, you know, so much like a muscle, but also so much nerve innovation and things like that happening there. You have to kind of almost feed your gut nervous system and your gut muscle system the same way you would your systemic nervous system and muscle system like you really have to think about it like I explained to my clients think about it in the same way like if you've got stiff muscles because you're flogging yourself at the gym you need you know you might need some calcium and some sodium and I mean some magnesium and some minerals and and all of that and then you kind of got to think about your gut the same way and same with like you know if so if you've been chronically constipated there's a lot of inflammation that's happening at that level so we and there's a lot of stress that's happening at that level so the same sort of nutrients kind of apply um so getting in there and sometimes using those therapeutically can help and um, on a side note, I think it's always worth mentioning uh, using magnesium is something that you want to do below bowel tolerance, not above mm. bowel tolerance, mm. because I think there's a lot of misconception that, oh, I'll just take a massive dose of magnesium and have an epic shit. And, <laughs> and that's what people have sometimes been told to do. Or that's what people, I know I've had clients come to me and that's what they've been doing for the last 10 to 15 mm. years to manage their constipation. And what that essentially does is it doesn't teach your muscle, your bowel to behave like a muscle. It teaches it to be lazy because when you have a massive dose of magnesium, thinking, oh, I'm going to help my motility, if you're going above your bowel tolerance, what that then causes is an irritation to the bowel and an influx of water. So it essentially just acts like a laxative and you gain a dependence on that. So when I say magnesium, we're using it in a therapeutic way and a needed way, not in a force a bowel motion kind of way. So, yeah. so. Yeah beautifully put i love 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 the analogy of thinking at it like because it is it's a muscle with, with muscular and structure and nerve innovation and, and again, nerve innovation forget that they just think mm. it's nice like this tube yeah this <laughs> tube that like, should just push stuff out <laughs> yeah it. it's so, a big yeah. work it's a big like it's an almost workhorse. like an workhorse like and you've got to feed not just the inside of the microbiome of that workhorse you have to look after the structural entities mm. of that workhorse and the structural part is muscle and nerve and that's what I talk to a lot of my clients so I'm like once we get the inner parts right like you've got your fiber up you've got your fluid up you're moving your body every day we've treated this methanic overgrowth and you're still a little bit constipated of course you're because now we've got to treat this little muscle and teach mm. her how to work again and for, because for the last 20 years she hasn't or she's just yeah. been taking laxatives and just kind of sitting there flaccid so there's so much that <laughs> this lazy little limp muscle lazy tube <laughs> but you know there's there's so much that can go into um treating constipation properly like and yeah. then really working through the whole Whole, whole part of it so there's no, yeah definitely it. that and I love how like you kind of it comes back on itself because as you mentioned through that things like using fibers and hydration and electrolyte balance like it kind of all feeds back to mm. that sort of top tier we're talking about yeah and, yeah and then I think just lastly you mentioned about exercise within that um you know obviously as a comparison to being in the gym but also physically moving your body daily we see a profound difference even with this with clients who just start get it doesn't have to be a lot it might just be going out for 20 minutes or 30 minutes for a walk once a day maybe in the morning is great because it gets everything moving that biofeedback as far as the movement of your body and starting to get those muscles moving inclusive of that muscle within your digestive tract is 
very, very important for encouraging the movement of your bowels. A lot of people, and you will know, like so many people listening will know, like if you're not moving much, if you're sitting around and you, everything just feels way more stagnant and congested and that blah feeling. I always sort of think about it when you've been locked on a plane for like close to 24 hours and not being able to move and just like, oh, everything just feels gross and (laughs) you probably finally go to the toilet. It's a little hard nugget. (laughs) Oh, yuck. (laughs) But movement is imperative and it's something that we, um, to go full, full circle as far as the reset plan, it's one of the reasons we've built and encouraged movement in that. Um, because it's just so I don't think we encouraged it I think I made it a (laughs) (laughs) non-negotiable she actually did (laughs) Carissa made our list of (laughs) non-negotiables daily movement I'm pretty sure it's daily movement I don't care what you do but you must move (laughs) (laughs) that's it (laughs) so that sums up our five which we feel really covers everything Mm. and if you feel like some of those areas resonate with you and you're like oh my god I didn't think about that and you need more information you can obviously hit us up um, either through socials or connect with the clinic Um, we'd love to hear from you or if you feel like there's something else like you're like hey what about this you guys didn't mention this just again we'd love to hear from you yep Um, And I think that's pretty much it. We usually wrap up these days with a recommendation before we go, which neither of us have given any pre-thought to. Well, I know I haven't. I don't think Carissa has. (laughs) I don't think I have. (laughs) Something that we're crushing crushing over or loving. Curious um, when you were talking right back at the start about your electrolytes, like what what you – use are you more of a just hydrolyte fan or do you play around with others no i I literally like hydrolyte is just easiest one for me to get and if i if i do stock up sometimes i get the what's the brand it's the one that anyone who walks into a bike shop will know what they are they're the 99 bikes ones there's it, a, oh, okay. It's not the, the I've wanted to try Nun in U double N, but I haven't. I've put clients. Mm, that might be it. it. That might it's be like it. Blue and white. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's I could white. Google it quickly. It's definitely not. <laughs> stop it. It's not the 99 bikes brand. I just know that they're the main ones that they sell. I just can't yeah. think of the, I can't think of the, um, oh, it's going to drive me insane now. Anyway, when you do the podcast, I'll have a look and like when it's up and I'll just tag it on the socials <laughs> if anyone wants to know. But yeah, I honestly just switch between those. Like I know there's a lot of people that go, oh, you could just use coconut water or use something more natural. But <coughs> excuse me, like to be honest, like I, yeah. I just, yeah. I probably go through a lot of hydrolytes, especially because, yeah, when I'm doing more exercise and out in the yeah. sun and you just, yeah. I just oh, need yeah. more than coconut water. I um, I was actually out of, we had some here and we ran out and I really needed some and I just did what you were saying. Um, I just had like a water with some lemon juice in it and then just added a good pinch of salt. salt. And yeah. I think I put, I had some greens powder that I mixed into it and, Geez, it made a difference just doing that because I just could feel that yucky yeah. sort of really dehydrated feeling and it just hit the spot. Um, yeah. 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 Like there's some, so many brands out there. but There's so curious. many brands. Definitely Hydrolite's probably just the easiest one for me to get when I'm out and about. Yeah. Um, but I know sometimes like I'll run out of them and I'll forget to buy more and like sometimes I'll go a week without them, especially too because I sauna a bit as well, right? Like I'm big on hydrating if mm. you're going to sauna. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, but I start to notice, like I'll still do the same amount of exercise and things like that, but yeah, far out, like it'll be, I'll hit like day four 
or five, especially if I have been doing like some bigger bike rides and bigger walks and stuff like that, especially when the weather's warmer, like it is at the moment. And mm-hmm. I just start to really feel tired throughout the day. Like, and same thing, like I just can't quench my thirst mm-hmm. and um, yeah. And then I'm just like, Oh, electrolytes. And I just go and buy some and just drop two in a thing of water. and I just skull it. And it's like within 15 minutes, I'm like, boom, it's <laughs> what I needed. <laughs> So, yeah, it's an interesting one. but uh, Well, I, the one thing that comes to my mind that's a foodie new thing I've been having, and I can't decide if I like it or not. I feel like I want to know from listeners what they think. They're the dinosaur, blue dinosaur protein bars. Hmm. So they're like 20, 23 grams of protein in a bar, which is really up there. And it's like a bovine collagen, but it's just collagen powder. The one I've been getting is a peanut one. So collagen powder, peanut butter dates and oh, i feel like there might be one more thing like it's like three or four ingredients it's pretty epic probably. for a protein bar 25 oh, grams it's right up there and it, the fat's high because the peanuts are like you know it's a fair amount of that in there but I, I had one and i was like i took a bite of it and i was like oh man i don't know about this it tastes like beef flavored peanut butter <laughs> oh, but then i had another one yesterday and i was like standing up in the kitchen devouring it and it's like got this weird texture and it's like this weird love-hate relationship I is can't it chewy if i like it it's really you would love the texture you know how you like to squish balls i like to oh. squish the <laughs> <laughs> nice one jess <laughs> if everyone could have seen her hand actions then as well <laughs> oh my god Krista loves to get like protein balls and bars and, bars and, she, and just she'll squish, squish them. them she won't just bite it she has to squish it in her hands doing yeah. the squishy movements yeah so i have you to. would love it you would like pancake the shit out of that bar yeah and then eat it yeah is so it salty enough oh, i reckon that, well i feel like if it's that's like, like asking someone that yeah i know salt, i feel like for you enough. i feel like for you and me like there is no such thing as too much salt no. um oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah okay sounds interesting yeah, so I'd love mm. to hear if anyone um, has had. Well, I'm sure people have had them, whether you like them or not. Whether you, <laughs> I might put up a little Instagram story as a like yay or nay on them. Is this good or not? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I haven't tried them. I've been. I've seen that Nutty Bruce do their own bars now, but that's probably been old news. But yeah, I haven't I, tried those. I, I think I've tried one and actually it wasn't too bad. It was really nice, but I just grabbed it. Um, I'm crushing over some relishes and stuff at the moment, but I can't remember the brands, which is really annoying. Cause every time I throw the jar out, I'm like, I have to remember what this brand is. But anyway, they're just the little fruit shop down the road for me has all those really cool, like boutique sort of things. You know, they have cool, like relishes, like local relishes and chutneys and things like local that. local to Brisbane? Um, local to like Northern rivers and Brisbane and stuff. Yeah. So maybe let me know and I can whack it up. Yeah, I think it's like, um, anyway, I, my brain's just like wasn't prepared. I think it's like, anyway, I'm not even going to try and say because I'll probably say something else. <laughs> well, you do. You're a big one for relishes. I like love my relishes and my everything. pickled stuff. And yeah, oh my God, it's just life for me. Like I never not have a jar of like pickled chilies, jalapenos, mm-hmm. all of that in my fridge. Like they're just, it's just there. And then I always have some really nice like relishes and like got a, like the Beerenberg chili jam. I love chili jam. Oh my god! Mm, yeah, just sweet, little things yeah. like that. Yeah, I love all that kind of stuff. <laughs> sweet, sweet Ola. Well, everyone, thanks for listening once again. Um, we, as I said, would love to hear from you if you've got any 
thoughts, comments, any of the things, um, leave us a review. Just if you're still with us right now and listening, then just take the next 10 seconds to <laughs> head on over to Apple and pop a review. We would love that. We'd but love otherwise, um, we will chat to you again soon. And see some of you for the real food reset detox plan thing, whatever. <laughs> Okay, bye now. I had to do it. Bye. (laughs)